Thank you for listening to this selection from bradhambrick.com. Brad serves as pastor of counseling at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and is excited to produce resources that equip believers and resource churches to care well for one another in their community. We pray that this serves you well, and we hope that you'll consider utilizing other resources from bradhambrick.com for your personal growth and ministry endeavors. It is good to get to be here and to get to address um, our small group leaders, uh, our counseling ministry leaders, and then just some folks here who are general leaders within the church. Uh, Because if there's one thing that I think is true, uh, it's that we come across hurting people all the time, and we get intimidated by that. Uh, We begin to wonder, what am I going to say? What if they ask me about blank? Who do I send them to? What do I do? And and probably one of those things that if we ask, why do people often shy back from leadership? Uh, It's because uh, they fear those moments of, what if I get put in a position where I'm asked a question that I don't know the answer to and somebody's crying or somebody's yelling? Uh, And I hope what the counseling ministry can do uh, as a part of the small group ministry is to make those moments less intimidating, to make it more clear what we do, uh, so that we have more people who are willing to step in and be leaders because they feel uh, supported and equipped to do that. Now, did you guys get a copy of the notes that uh, are for the talk this evening? Okay, if we could hunt those down and begin to pass those out uh, in the early part, Uh, You won't need those uh, directly. Once we hit the middle part, you'll need them a bit more. So don't feel like you're going to be missing something if you don't have them here at the beginning. Uh, This passage has already been spoken to uh, at least once, if not more times this evening. Uh, But the passage I'd like for us to start with is Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And there Paul says, And God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, that we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. It, we're right here the day after Martin Luther King Day. Uh, one of the things that Martin Luther King said was, he says, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. Now, as a personal relationship, that may get uh, slightly codependent, but from a standpoint of being a pastor and being a leader, uh, I think he captures the heart of Paul in Ephesians 4 beautifully. I, as the pastor of counseling, cannot be what I am called to be until you are equipped to be what you are called to do. And part of that is caring for one another. There are more than 30 one another commands in the New Testament that doesn't talk about how we're supposed to go see a professional or we're supposed to go see a pastor when we have a struggle, but we are to care for one another. And my role as the pastor of counseling is to facilitate that happening. And two of the things that Paul says here in this passage should happen is that one of the outcomes of me doing my role of pastor of counseling should be unity. There should be a cohesiveness to the ministries of the church that care for each other. Uh, And secondly, there should be a maturity. Lives should be changed. 
And so if we said two of the marks that we were after that you would be seeing as the fruit of your ministry because of what we're doing in the counseling, it would be unity uh, and it would be maturity. And and the standard of that maturity uh, is Christ. Uh, That we would know Him better. That we would look more like Him. That we would respond with His wisdom. That we would worship Him more naturally. And I hope even as we give this a cursory overview here in the beginning, that as we go through the mission and pieces and vision of the counseling ministry, that you begin to hear that saturating everything that we're talking about. Now tonight, we're going to look at basically three sections. In the first section, we're going to look at the unique opportunities and challenges of the counseling ministry at the Summit Church. Then we're going to look at how the pieces of the counseling ministry are designed to fit together to fuel one another, hopefully in some exciting ways. And then third, we're going to look at what all this means for the individual ministries uh, within the counseling ministry and the ministry that you do using the resources uh, that we are producing and hopefully equipping you with. And so the first thing we look at is opportunities and challenges. And in this section, what I hope to do is invite you into my head. I want you to hear all of the passions and fears that go through my mind when I think about the assignment that has been placed in front of me. I hope that when we finish this section, you are, com- you are excited and completely overwhelmed. Because that's how I feel most of the time, and I would like it if I had some people who could join me in that. And so you're going to be my support group. Hello, my name is Brad. I'm a pastor of counseling. I'm completely overwhelmed, and I need you. Um, But when I think about the opportunities and challenges, the first thing that comes to my mind is this, that major life challenges and transitions are when people are most open to receive and apply the gospel. It is When we think about the major spiritual breakthroughs in our life, whether it be our conversion or at a time when God got a hold of us, it was usually not a time when everything was going great and we knew what to do next. And that the times that are traditionally thought of as counseling times are incredibly ripe times for counseling ministry. And the way I would say it is this, we want the counseling ministry to be a front door of the church. Because too often, uh, and I've been a part of different counseling ministry for 10 years. I've done ministry in the parachurch setting and consulted with churches of all different sizes and all different types of counseling ministries. And too often what happens is a counseling ministry is viewed as the ER, the emergency room. And people don't reach out for help when counseling is viewed as an ER until they get to a crisis point. And usually by that point, their life is very broken. We want to create a culture. Uh, I think Matt Chandler, the pastor of the Village Church, says it well. We want this to be a place where it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And we want to create an atmosphere that when people know the Summit Church, that's what they expect. When we talk about our small group, that is the tone that they hear on our tongues. Now, these major like transitions, major life challenges and transitions. That's when people are ripe for the gospel. And we have a church full of caring, in-process people who know many hurting people looking for hope, purpose, and direction. We're all in-process people. Paul Tripp says we are people in need of change helping people in need of change. And it would be my opinion that the greatest 
untapped resource for evangelism in our community is the conversations we have with hurting people every day. When people tell us about the struggles of life that they don't know how to make sense of, when they are looking for something to give them hope and it lets them down and they invite us into their despair. But the question is this, how do we equip our people to bridge from those moments of trust when somebody lets us into the fine china of their life How do we equip our people to bridge from those conversations to the gospel? How do we equip our people as individuals? How do we equip you that when somebody's going through grief, when somebody tells you that they lost it with their kids last night and they feel rotten about it, when somebody tells you that their spouse just had an affair and they don't know what to do, when somebody's looking for help on how to communicate for their marriage, how do we equip you in those conversations, to naturally bridge that to the gospel? And how do we equip ourselves as a people, a gathered people, so that the resources are there, that all of that doesn't fall on you when you get overwhelmed and say, oh my goodness, I must be in the wrong room because I don't think I can do all that. How do we equip and structure ourselves as a church so that we are there to support you in those relationships and you know what is here from a counseling ministry to bridge that relationship of trust to the gospel? Now, on top of that, we have area churches who look to the summit when there's counseling concerns that that they just don't feel equipped to handle. And that's part of the influence that we have in the community that can be a great resource to bless other churches and strengthen them if there's something in place that allows us to do it. But then then there's this whole thing, and this is where I start to hyperventilate a little bit. Counseling related interactions tend to be very time cumbersome. And there is no way our pastoral and counseling staff will ever meet this need. Just in our own body, much less our community. If we are ever going to meet the need that exists, we are going to have to think like Ephesians 4 calls us to think. Where the purpose of the pastoral staff is to equip the body to care for one another in our community in a way that takes the hope of Christ to them. Now, but but then there's another challenge. Unless our counseling ministry is moving people into the community life of the church, we're doing little of eternal significance. We must move people into the life of the church. Or as one counselor I've heard say it, and it's it's a shocking, uncomfortable thing to hear, but he says, too often I feel like I'm counseling the trains to hell. I'm sorry, I'm air conditioning the trains to hell. That I'm making their life better, but I'm not connecting them to the one thing that is truly going to give them hope and sustain them? Am I connecting them with a life of community that somehow when they get past this crisis, there's going to be something there to carry the baton that this counseling relationship is not built to carry because it's a professional relationship. It's short term. And so whatever we do as a counseling ministry has to connect people to the community life of our church. I would simply say, counseling must never become small groups. We can't. We would do people a disservice if we tried to do for people through the counseling ministries what small groups have been ordained by God to do. Now, there there is a sense in which we want to come alongside. There are times when counseling does things that I think equip what you do and times when we do things that just... It allows you to do what you do because we do what we do. And and that is great. 
another aspect of this connecting people to the life of the church because there's some resources that kind of stand alone and there's some that are within the church, but they have this tendency to create a church within the church. And so there becomes this community of people who are a part of the church, but they're over here to their side and, and they're known by their struggle more than they are known by their relationship with Christ. And we don't want to facilitate that in the way that we do things as a counseling ministry. And then we ask the question, as a counseling ministry, how do we stay gospel-centered and Bible-based when the secular and even much of the Christian counseling literature is not? You know, it, there are lots of different materials out there that, that they do a good job of helping people, but... They're not Bible-based, and they're not gospel-centered, and we come away being more self-reliant. We come away relying on a community that is based more in recovery than it's based in the gospel. And what do we do with that? And one of the questions that I would invite you to ask anytime you do something that is counseling-related, and I hope you would ask me and hold me accountable as we do things, when I come to a counseling event, Do I walk away knowing Christ and the gospel better? Or do I just walk away knowing myself better and being excited about a few techniques? Now, as a counseling ministry, anytime we do something, we want to know ourselves better, and we want to have some practical things that we can do that help us become more like Christ. But if coming out of that event, I don't know Christ and the gospel better, if I am not more passionate about that, then that hasn't quite accomplished what we would want to accomplish through one of the ministries here uh, at the Summit Church. And then I start to get excited again because I think we've got such a large number of church members and graduate counseling students who are eager to participate. Uh, I get bombarded with these things of, how can I do this? I'm a counseling graduate student. I want to be involved here. I have an interest in this ministry. That is... It's exciting to the point of almost being overwhelming for me because then I realize the more of these things that we launch, the more we have to announce. And we have to communicate to the church at large, this is what they are and this is how they work so that you can use it. And we have to perpetuate it, keep it going. We have to create a leadership base and perpetuate leaders for each one of these things. We need some kind of supervision structure so that we're not just placing people out there on their own on this island where if something comes up and they're not prepared for it, that it's just, well, good luck with that. Uh, We need a supervision structure for that. And we need to resource these people. And that's, again, where I start to get a little overwhelmed. And hopefully in this next page with the three circles, we're going to look at how we're doing that. But then each ministry, the way that it's created, the way that it's sustained, it has to be conducive with your life schedule as a volunteer and with the church event schedule because if we're not careful, we can develop things in a way that hurts those who are willing to help. And that is the last thing that as a pastor of counseling where I see my primary responsibility to the leaders of our church that we would want to do. And so you say, okay, Brad, you did your job. I'm slightly overwhelmed. I'm I'm excited about the possibilities there. How are we going to do this? How are we approaching it? And that's where we have another Venn diagram. I didn't want JD to be the only one. I wanted to be a cool guy. I wanted to be included, so I made my own. Um, And where I'm going to invite you to start is right over here where it says Counseling Center. 
we're going to cover the first line there and wrap our way around. One of the first things that we're looking at doing is this fall, uh, we're going to be launching uh, a 501c3 parachurch counseling center that is a subsidiary but independent ministry of the church here. Uh, The name that we're leaning towards on that is Bridgehaven Counseling Associates. And if you ask me, what is one of the first things that we, why we need this counseling center, why this is vital to everything else that we're doing, it's so that the counseling ministry can go public. Right now, whenever we make an announcement for anything that we do as a counseling ministry, uh, we announce something on the grief ministries that we have, and we address a smallest slice of the needs within our church. And we make that announcement in the worship guide or from the pulpit, and everybody in the church hears, we've got a counseling ministry. And we've got myself and a couple of other part-time people who are here to handle that one-on-one counseling load. And by meeting that need, we completely paralyze our ability to meet one-on-one with everybody that was needed. And so we have a very hard time going public by having a counseling center that is there and it supports itself through counseling, then whenever we need to make an announcement about the things that we offer within the, within the church, we will have something that will be able to sustain uh, that one-on-one counseling need that gets created from that. So again, we're going to wrap back around that to where you see its purpose. But when you hear all these things and you go, wow, if we announced all this, there would be a lot of counseling to do. How are we going to get that done? That's why the counseling center is so essential. We move to that first big piece, uh, and that's the seminars that we offer. And this is where uh, I'm going to give you the plumb line, uh, the plumb line of the counseling ministry. The plumb line is this. Uh, we create resources. We don't do events. When we did our uh, seminar in the fall on the subject of grief, that was not an event. That was not a one-time only thing that you come to that if you're grieving at that season of September 2011, and then we'll do that again when we can get back around to it. Hope you don't lose anybody until then. When we did that event, it was recorded with a mentoring manual that becomes something that you as a small group leader can use to walk through. We created a 12-month care plan that would hopefully be very simple that you as a small group leader could use that resource, garnering volunteers for within your group that when somebody loses somebody, you can say, you know what? This person in our group lost their mother. I'm going to pass around a sheet of things that need to be done over the next 12 months to care for them. And I need one person from our group who knows them that can pair up with them. And we'll go through the material that our church has on the subject of grief. Uh, You know, meeting with them every other week for lunch or coffee or something like that. When I pass that around, will you sign up for part of that markdown on your calendar so that we can care for this person the way that we want to? The way that if we don't do something like this, we'll fix them meals for two weeks, we'll be really in care and involved, and then the next passionate thing will happen and we'll lose caring for them the way that we want to. As a counseling ministry, when we, we don't do events, we create resources like that. And we want every time that you see one of the events that we do, the question I want you to ask is not, am I struggling with that right now? I don't even want you just to ask the question, is there anybody in my small group who's struggling with that right now? I want you to ask, is this something that if I knew that, that there's a good chance that I would come across somebody 
who would need this, and if I had that resource, I could use it. And that's why I say our primary purpose of the seminar ministry is to facilitate one another ministry. Because we're going to talk about some of the formal pieces that we're putting into place, uh, some of our recovery groups and our marriage mentoring and counseling interns and the counseling center. But I will say this as a blanket statement that I have no doubt is true. If the counseling ministry is successful, it will not be because of the formal ministries that form up under the counseling ministry. It will be because the people of our church realize that this is a tool that we are placing in your hands to use in your relationships. There will be a much greater impact there than anything we do formally. Now, with that said, uh, we have a one another ministry that we want to empower everybody in our church to be a part of. Another level is we want to launch mentor-level ministries. Uh, By mentor-level ministries, we just mean lay people who say, I am passionate about this area. Of those three circles that J.D. was talking about, this is one of those areas that lights a fire for me. And if I had an aptitude in that, I would love to invest in this area. This is where we want to create that with the seminars. And right now, we have our Preparing for Marriage ministry. I'm going to talk more about that a little bit later. We have our freedom groups that emerge out of each of the seminars that we do. Uh, And we have a miscarriage level ministry, a miscarriage mentor ministry, where we're wanting to pair moms who have experienced miscarriage up with one another, one who has already been through that experience and one who's going through it the first time. We, those represent uh, this marriage mentoring, this personal mentoring and recovery group ministry, kind of the three primary models that we want to begin to use so the church can become familiar with what we're doing as a counseling ministry. Now, another part of this seminar, this seminar ministry that we want to launch, and this is for you to be aware of and for you to network through your contacts, is we want these seminars to begin to gain CEU credit, uh, continuing education, uh, licensed professional counselors, licensed clinical social workers, licensed marriage and family therapists. They all have to regularly get continuing education credits in order to maintain their license. Uh, We're applying with the state of North Carolina to get the seminars that we do uh, approved for CEU credit so that these folks can get those free right here. Now, I think that's going to do two very exciting things. One, there's a whole lot of Christians in those fields who were not trained in a Christian setting who would love to know more about how the Scripture and the Gospel speaks to how they care for people on a day-in, day-out basis. And I would love for what we do here to begin to infiltrate the ministry that they do there through their professional setting. Now the second part of that that becomes about outreach is that these are folks who are continually needing aftercare. They are continually having pro bono cases that they need to find places that they can refer to. And if they began to realize that the Summit Church is a place who cares about anger, who cares about grief, who cares about marriages, who cares about sexual sin, who cares about helping people recover from the betrayal of sexual sin, and they knew there were free ministries here that they could refer to, then all of those professionals who are looking for free resources in their community, they begin to know the Summit Church is a place who cares about that, who has a resource structure, who can care for the people that are either overwhelming their waiting list or they just, for one reason or another, can't serve. Now, another part of this is 
uh, we've gotten the counseling ministry here approved to get education credits through Southeastern Seminary. Uh, part of that's my role there as an adjunct professor. Uh, but we've got it to where a counseling student at the school will be able to get up to half of their counseling credits through the ministry and seminars that we offer here. Uh, that is 15 of the 30 hours that they would need for a counseling degree. They would be able to get through participating in what we're doing. Now, at the bottom of the page, you're going to see a bit of the schedule there. I'm going to try to explain that in brief. Um, you know, this is the seminars, the first four. Anger we did over the summer. Grief we did in the fall. Sexual sin is coming up on February 12th. Betrayal of sexual sin, February 19th. Uh, the other subjects that we'll be laying out, uh, you'll see here that uh, they group together with these letters. Uh, there's five M's. Uh, that will be a marriage and premarital class. Um, once we offer those seminars, we'll group those together each spring and offer those January, February, March, April, May uh, to where uh, if you'd like to get credit for those academically, you're more than welcome to, but every spring we'll offer those when you have this influx of folks getting married and we need to raise up marriage mentors. Uh, that will be something that we offer. In the falls, we'll begin to offer between uh, the emotions class and the addictions class, but... Um, that just gives you an idea of the schedule. We're probably going to be slightly behind in 2.12. We'll catch up in 2.13, hopefully. Uh, but one of the things when you look at the bottom of the page that I want you to see is that those 15 topics aren't enough. I could spout off another 15 topics right now of things that are incredibly important. You probably know people that you read through that page going, are they going to cover this? Are they going to cover this? And, and you were disappointed when that topic wasn't on there. And you go, man, it's going to be, it's going to be later. This is, we are building as fast as we can, and I, I covet your prayers as we seek to do that. Um, but one of our focuses is that what we do would be duplicable. Because if what we do as a counseling ministry is going to be sustainable, it has to be duplicable. It has to reproduce itself. We'll come to that again in a moment. But the seminars will also uh, support the counseling intern program. Uh, we're starting that this spring. We've got five folks who are going through that. Uh, hopefully that's going to multiply relatively quickly. Uh, but there, the benefits is, one, we want to be able to provide free counseling as a community resource. Uh, these are graduate intern students uh, that myself and others will be supervising. Um, and uh, during the evenings of the week, they will offer counseling in areas that we can offer adequate supervision and structure for them to do that just as something that is a free resource to our church and to our community. Uh, this free counseling will also help protect the counseling center. Uh, the counseling center uh, is a uh, donation-based uh, entity, much like what I ran when I was in Augusta, Georgia, before coming here. And these are folks who will get their livelihood from the counseling that they provide. If you average in too many zeros into the donations that they receive, uh, that will make their kids skinny, uh, and we don't want to do that. Uh, and so part of having the intern program is so that we can offer uh, this donation-based counseling and those folks still be able to uh, provide for their families and provide for themselves. And then third, it's going to create an experienced counseling pool to staff the counseling center uh, who already know our values and have a knowledge of our ministry model. These folks will begin to come up through we do. They will know preparing for marriage. They will know freedom groups. They will know the ministries that we offer so that in their position at Bridgehaven Counseling, they will be very equipped to serve their role of being a bridge into the life of our church. 
And then finally, we come back to the counseling center. And we said our goal there is to go public, not just so that we can make announcements here, but this will be a counseling center that has a vested interest in making the things that we know do known throughout the community. It was one of the very exciting things about what I got to do in Augusta, Georgia at Crossroads. Uh, We had a list of close to 250 businesses and doctors and attorneys who knew what we do, who were committed Christians, who said, I would love to promote that in my waiting room. I would love to promote that at my point of sale. I would love to promote that in my business place in some way. And we provided postcards and posters and things like that where all of a sudden we were permeating that community. And as people went into those points of business, they began to realize, hey, here's a ministry. That, that's something that I'm struggling with. This is, and it begins to be something that because it is attached to a, not one particular church, but to a distinct ministry that is serving all the churches in our community, they can say, you know what, I can do that and not violate my code of ethics. I can do that and have a reason that I can say, you know what, I do this because I'm a Christian and this is something that supports all the um, churches in our community and they don't get bombarded with that soliciting request, yet they can leverage their influence where they are. And that's one of the things that I would encourage you to begin thinking through is what opportunities... Do you have a teacher's lounge? Do you have a point of sale? Do you have a waiting room where you work where you could begin to put these things up once we have a counseling center to promote that and we can go public on this scale so that you can leverage those points of influence that you have uh, to promote these things that will become a front door of our church. It becomes a referral, referral source for area professionals. Again, the doctors, the attorneys, the social workers, anybody who gets come to and said, I'm struggling, where can I go for help? Well, these are people that uh, they can't say, you know what, my church has a pastor of counseling, I think you should go there. Uh, That would be a a breach of what they can do. But they could say, you know what, there's uh, several places that we recommend. One of those is Bridgehaven Counseling Associates. Uh, They're a Christian ministry. I know some of the folks there, they do good work. I think you'd be pleased with them. And if they hand that out as a part of their uh, general referral structure, there's no violation of code of ethics. There's nothing that interferes with their ability to do that. And yet they can leverage their position uh, to advance the gospel where they are. Um, You know, one of the things that when you ask, how are we going to supervise all of these ministries? Because if we pop off all of these down here, and we have freedom groups going in all of those areas and marriage mentors in all of those areas, I can't do it. Uh, That again makes me hyperventilate. Um, Where are we going to get people with experience who know what's going on, who have a master's degree in counseling, who have spent hours face-to-face with people going through various struggles that they can help supervise the lay people that we have and be a point of contact? The counseling center allows us to do that. So that we have somebody in the counseling center who is passionate about counseling uh, areas of emotions. And so they oversee our freedom groups that have to do with grief and anger and depression and anxiety. And we've got a counselor there who's really passionate about marriages. And they oversee our preparing for marriage and our other marriage mentoring ministry. And they become point people so that this is another way of our counseling ministry multiplying a leadership structure so that the lay people who are doing incredible things in our community know who to talk to, and they feel like they are protected, that they're not going to get a question dropped on them, and they've got nobody to talk to. 
And then finally, it legitimizes our freedom group uh, and other ministries within the community. When somebody from our anger freedom group goes to an abuse clinic and says, you know what, if you have people coming in here and their spouse is looking for something on anger, here is what we do and we would love for them to, for us to be one of the resources that you refer to. And they begin to use that anger freedom group as an outreach. And that professional looks at them and says, okay, I really appreciate what you're doing, but what are you going to do when, when a really bad situation breaks out? And that freedom group leader is able to say, you know what, there's a counseling center that we partner with and we have counselors that I can call. Um, This is the name of the counselor who oversees the emotions-based freedom groups at our church and this is what we would do. That professional is much more likely to utilize that outreach component of our church because they hear it as something that is viable. And that freedom group leader is much more likely to go out and make that contact and become an outreach arm of our church because they feel like they're covered if they get into that kind of situation. And so, again, hopefully that you see here that seminars and counseling interns, this is that free component that we want to, as a church, be very generous to our community. That the interns and the counseling center, that's where we offer this professional quality resource between the two. And the counseling center helps the seminars and the lay ministry because it gives us this area of protection and supervision that we need, and all of it is dynamically connected to the life of the local church, moving people into the life of our church. So we okay, Uh, what does that mean for our individual ministries? Uh, What does this look like if I want to be a part of the counseling ministry? If I did my job and you heard that and you said, I could get excited about that. I'm not sure I understand it all, but I know I need to come to one of these seminars when it's in an area that I'm passionate about and I'm interested in and that's going to help me learn. What what would it look like? Uh, That's what I want us to begin to look at here. And I'm going to cover this in brief. I wrote this part out in a bit more detail because I want you to be able to look at it and think through it. Um, But uh, basically what we're saying here is that each ministry within the counseling ministry must function as a part of the whole and not just with independent excellence. And, And the reason we do that, hopefully you've heard my heart in this, is to protect the leaders in our ministry. Uh, Everything that is covered in these last three pages, it's not to say you have to do it our way. It's to say we want to make sure that we can support and protect those who volunteer and step up and say, I would love to serve in that area of the counseling ministry. And one of the the words that I'm going to use to describe here as we go through is that of island ministry. And, And let me say this up front. An island ministry often does very good work most often they do excellent work. And nothing that we say about an island ministry is is meant to say anything bad about the quality of that. But when we are a church that is the size of the summit, and we could completely overwhelm ministries with participation, when a ministry begins to function in its own way off to the side, it becomes very easy to crush that ministry. And we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Now, so I'm going to talk about eight pieces, eight things that would, that would make for an island ministry. Uh, and I'm going to describe it. I'm going to talk about the dangers. And then I'm going to try to show how those three circles that we talked about alleviate that danger or concern. 
And so the first thing about an island ministry is that it lacks a clear and overt push towards the general small group participation. And, and what are the dangers of that? Um, it tends to lead to greater and greater dependence upon counseling resources. People become, begin to be dependent on personal meetings, on groups, on conferences, on literature, more than they are dependent upon living life in Christian community. And what happens to a leader in that kind of ministry is the longer somebody leads in one of those island ministries, the more and more people begin to be dependent upon them as if that person was their small group. And so it is sustainable at first for a short period of time, but then as more and more people know them as their source of hope, and that channel doesn't exist to a small group, they begin to be weighted down with something that, that's not sustainable. And so how do we alleviate that? Well, one thing is every resource produced by the Summit Counseling Ministry has clear and overt calls, both written and verbal, to join a small group. And we will be trying to give a very compelling case for how life within a small group speaks to unique features of that struggle. Now, the second part is we want to offer the seminars we do as church-wide events. When we do a seminar on anger, on grief, on marriage, we want these to be church-wide events so that when somebody is graduating a freedom group, so that when somebody's graduating out of the graduate intern program or even Bridgehaven, and they go, what do I do now? That we can with confidence say, you know what? We've probably got 100, 150 small group leaders in our church who have been through that same material that we worked in conjunction with while you were going through this. And you can be confident that when you join a small group, that you're going to be in a place where people understand what you've been through and what helped you. Now, it's totally up to you if you let the small group leader know that that's why you, um, why you join their group. But we can connect you with small group leaders who are familiar with what you've been through. And in that sense, just the fact that you as a small group leader chose to be a part of that, and they know you've heard the material that helped me. If I say this language, you're not going to look at me funny. It, there's going to be a sense of comfort and relief that yes, the body of Christ does care. The body of Christ does understand. The body of Christ does want to be involved in my messy life. I don't have to be defined by my struggle. I don't have to go to a group that is named by what I struggle with. I can be a part of a small group because you cared enough to be a part of that. Now, second part. Uh, island ministries lack an internal, self-perpetuating leadership development mechanism. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Uh, only somebody compulsive like me would write that. Basically, what I'm saying there is oftentimes the way that we create a ministry, the leadership development part takes as much work as the ministry. And that's going to be very hard to sustain on the scale at which ministry happens here at the summit. And what happens is it heavily burdens the lead leaders. Because the lead leaders are the ones who are teaching the other leaders, but they also want to be a part of the ministry that they were passionate about to begin with. And so they wind up doing double duty and, and they just get worn too thin. And another way that that comes up is 
when we need this leadership mechanism is sometimes this uniquely gifted individual comes along and they have a passion for an area of ministry and they can do it well for a certain group of people. But then if we make that known to the church at large and they get more, we don't have anything to reproduce that uniquely gifted and skilled leader. And so either people come for help and can't get it or that leader tries to do everything and we chew up and spit out the leader. And so how we hope to alleviate that is the majority of the training done will be through these subject-based seminars. My hope is that 80 to 90% of somebody leading in the counseling ministry, that what they need, they will leave with when they come to one of our seminars, they hear the presentation, and they walk out with the mentoring packet that everybody gets when they come. On top of that, uh, we have a relatively brief leadership training uh, material that will be in a forum like this. And so next month, when you come for the February Equip Leadership Forum, our Preparing for Marriage ministry, if you are interested in being a part of that, there will be a one-hour training that will allow you to become one of our marriage mentors. I would encourage you to consider that because that is one of our greatest and most pressing needs. But we want that part to be smaller and self-contained. If you're not able to make it, we will make those available on video so that that training can be done at home. But what leadership development looks like is I come to an event that I'm passionate about. Maybe it's I'm passionate about it because I need it. Maybe I'm passionate about it for others, but I come to it. I hear it and I think, yes, I'd love to do that. I get connected with leaders within that ministry. I go through a small vetting process. If I'm a good fit for that and the need exists at that moment, then there's this smaller part of training that I can go through at the Equip Leadership Forum or that I can go through online, and I step right in to being an apprentice within that ministry in a short period of time. Now, an island ministry, number three, is designed to serve only one subpopulation of the church through a single venue. And if you looked at the bottom of the page with the three circles, you can quickly see how that would become so elaborate that it wouldn't be sustainable. And what happens then is various ministries begin to compete over the same resources of time and space and public announcements. Volunteers begin to feel unsupported or disenfranchised because the ministry framework just doesn't allow for the level of promotion that the value of their ministry deserves. And so we, we have people doing great things and we can't get the word out about it. And people begin to feel unappreciated by that for, for real reasons. And so how do we seek to alleviate this doing things for subpopulations? Because, you know, Brad, if I understood you right, you said we've got a group for anger and we've got a men's group for that and a women's group for that and we've got a men's group for grief and a women's group for grief. Aren't we doing that? Yes, we are. But at each of these seminars that launch that, uh, we are equipping small group leaders. Uh, we are training graduate level interns. We are doing the next generation of leadership training that we need for that ministry. And so if, when we do that, we're not just doing one thing in that moment. We are multiplying leaders and having multiple impacts as we do that event, which does spur a subpopulation ministry. Number four, an island ministry requires ministry-specific explanation to the church in order to be utilized. Here's what happens. When a church doesn't understand 
how a ministry works, either A, the church doesn't utilize that ministry. And when a church doesn't utilize the ministry, the leader feels very discouraged. Because here I am, I want to do a good thing. There's a good ministry, but nobody's coming. Or B, the church uses it poorly. And the result then is they start referring people who, doesn't, who don't fit in that ministry. And then at that point, the people who come for help realize that they don't fit. They tried to get help. They kind of wander off to the side. And the leader goes, nobody understands what I'm doing. Nobody appreciates what I'm doing. And we create this sense of discouragement. And so what we hope to do there in the way that we're designing things is we want the church to get to know that we have just a few ministry models that we replicate in different ways. Uh, at the lay level, we have recovery groups, we have marriage mentoring, and we have personal mentoring. And those may take different forms and varieties in terms of the subjects and the specific ways, but those operate in a certain way. And when I come to one of those seminars, I'm going to know what that is. I'm going to leave knowing the content and the structure of that ministry and we just communicated to the church at large, not just the subject that they're interested in, but all the others that operate like that. And we want the church to know that, you know what, we've got two professional level ministries. We've got the counseling interns, and we've got the counseling center. And I kind of know how they operate and what they do. And then, in that sense, we don't have to announce how each one of these works differently. And so number five, an island ministry requires a high degree of live reteaching of its core material. When we have an island ministry that's operating out on its own, it has to keep teaching its core material over and over again. And that becomes the bulk of its ministry time. And one of the difficulties with that is presentation is the lowest touch form of ministry. You will leave here today and you may, if I do my job well, be excited and understand what we're doing. But you don't know me and I don't know you in a way that we could effectively do life together because presentation is the lowest touch form of ministry. So how we're seeking to alleviate that is the low touch presentation will be offered only when it's fulfilling several other ministry functions. Again, church-wide awareness, campus-level impact, strategic outreach, academic credit. But these will all be available via video anytime. So that when the ministry gathers, when you say, I want to be a part of this ministry because I want to be a part of affecting people's lives, that when you gather for that ministry, you're in the highest touch component. You're getting to do what you signed on to do instead of hearing a talking head in a room full of people going, yeah, I hear this every time that we get together, but I have to do this so that I can do what I want to do later on. Number six, an island ministry lacks overt connection points to known, trained, and adequate supervisors. Again, we've covered that to a certain degree, but when a counseling ministry doesn't know who to refer to, that's dangerous. Because either one, people who come to the church for help get hurt, and two, our lay leaders get hurt in the process of trying to help. Uh, and so how do we seek to alleviate that? Uh, well, the resources. Uh, that mentoring manual that comes along with every uh, seminar that we do, it, is, it has multiple internal assessments that if the person is honest, and again, there's no way to get around an individual being honest, that if that case is beyond something that should be handled at a lay level, there's going to be something in there that says, yes, that is the case. 
If somebody's going through an intense grief, uh, when we put together our grief manual, and that grief is beginning to take on the manifestations of post-traumatic stress, and you go, man, you're just really hurting, and I don't, I don't think I get what's going on. I, I don't know if I can help you or not. Well, there's an evaluation in there that if they're going through and they go, yeah, I am having recurring nightmares, and there are these intrusive thoughts as if this is brand new. Yes, those things are... Okay, well, at that point, it says... This is the effects of post-traumatic stress, and this is something that should probably be handled in a counseling setting. At that point, you don't have to make that assessment. All you need to do is reinforce what's there. Uh, In the anger material, when we wrote that, when it has uh, aspects of anger that are controlling, it says, you know what, usually these things aren't broken unless we get into some more of a formal counseling relationship. And so it has a questionnaire that has to do with control. And again, if they're honest, it will push them there. And all you have to do is say, yes, I am willing to walk with you, but this is a case where I will walk with you on this part, but I think you need to see uh, the counseling ministry, the uh, Bridge Haven, or the counseling interns, or maybe attend a freedom group on that. And, and the materials are designed to do that for you. Um, seven, an island ministry may lack fluid connection with the doctrine and culture of the larger church. When we look at Christian counseling resources, they vary greatly in the doctrine they teach and the culture they seek to create. Uh, It's common for counseling literature to focus upon self-reliance, to provide an inaccurate view of God, or to create a sense of community that's based upon your struggle uh, and not upon who you are in Christ. Now what we realize is that you are not going to get an extensive Christian counseling library in a given subject area and read all of those books and critically assess which ones are the best for the thing that you're trying to help somebody in your small group with at that moment. That's what we try to do as a counseling ministry. We go through those resources and those that we put the emphasis on are those that we believe best capture the Bible-based, gospel-centered approach of our church and portray the kind of culture that we're trying to create. Now, there's lots of other helpful resources, legitimately helpful resources, that just don't have that, emphasi- don't have that emphasis. And what we try to do as a counseling ministry there is still utilize those, but give you those filtered through the approach and culture that we are trying to take as a church so that when people get help through the ministries of the Summit Counseling Ministry, that they are prepared to participate in the life of the Summit Church. And that transition becomes as easily as possible. And then finally, uh, an island ministry uh, may may resist making sacrifices for what benefits the church as a whole. And usually what that involves is somebody is really passionate about what they do. And it just takes more time and it's more cumbersome uh, to do something as a part of a whole than it is to do it independently. And so they alleviate this hindrance uh, by function independently. And then what can happen there is either they launch and fizzle uh, because people don't know what's going on. And at that point, there's this excellent ministry that never gets off the ground. Or two, they start, they begin to grow, they grow beyond their sustainability, and then at that point they begin to struggle, fizzle, or crash. And then at that point, the growth strains the leader to the point that they feel burned out, and they begin to feel used by the church. And we have taken somebody who had a heart for God, and we've almost made them mistrust his bride, which is the last thing that we want to do.
And, and so there the alternative is the counseling ministry is trying to present a compelling vision. That is what tonight was all about. The reason we recorded this, the reason that we don't do events and do uh, resources, is so when somebody comes to me and say, Brad, I would love to be a part of the counseling ministry. Can we do blank? We want to present a compelling vision of what that needs to look like in a church of our size to take advantage of the resources that we're creating because we are working as fervently as we can to create a structured counseling ministry that allows us to minister to the full breadth of human need and struggle that exists in our church and in our community. Because we really do believe that the place where people's lives are most ripe to the gospel is in the midst of life struggles and life transitions. And we really do believe that this is a church full of people who long to be a part of that. If there's a way that they can plug in and feel protected and feel like there's enough structure there that they're not going to get hung out on a limb beyond where they're able. And so what I would ask of you is one, pray. Pray for us as a counseling ministry that we that we would be able to redeem the time and do this as effectively and as efficiently as can be done with excellence. Uh, Two, participate in the counseling seminars when they come along. Participate in them as missionaries. Who says, I want to see when I can use this subject matter to reach the people in my circle of influence, knowing that this prepares me to access a whole other resource a whole other network of resources within our church to care for people. And so if you'll pray and participate, I think we can trust God to do great things uh, that hopefully strengthens the small group ministry and brings Him great glory uh, throughout the Raleigh-Durham area. Uh, So if you will, pray with me, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Eric. Lord, we come to You where the things that we have talked about are much larger than our ability and our own power, our own strength and our own wisdom to pull, to pull together. And so Lord, we ask that you would bless it, uh, that you would use us in ways that are disproportionate to our gifting and our ability, but you would use our passions and our interests uh, and the opportunities that you put in front of us uh, to change this community and change the world. It's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to do one announcement real, real quick. If you are interested in the preparing for marriage ministry and being a marriage mentor, meaning you've been married for at least five years and you'd love to share your experience with young couples, we're going to have a couple of our leaders right up here in that ministry that you can go ahead and make a first touch point of contact and then know that next month we will have a mentor training for that as a part of the cohort breakouts. Thank you.